Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, May 15th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. So, um, man, after like, I don't know, a couple months, felt like three months, it would have been a while since I had been late uh, with the show. I had been doing a really good job getting these suckers out there. Uh, it has happened like four times in the last three weeks, and it is just, you know, 100% the fault of the NBA and NHL playoffs. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, sure, I should probably take responsibility for it. I'm the ultimately the one in control of when I record and things like that. Um, but the combination of the aging process, uh, just, you know, being another year older, um, and playoff games, you know, starting at nine or 10 o'clock on the uh, East Coast and going until, you know, 1130, midnight, 1230, depending on the sport. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I keep falling asleep during these games <laughs> is the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, I go in with these grand plans. I'm feeling great at tip off or puck drop. Like, no, I'll be fine. I could do it. I'll, and if I get tired, I'll record at halftime. And then uh, at some point, I fall asleep on the couch and wake up, and it's one in the morning, and it's too late to record. And now I have to uh, shuffle on over to bed and get up in the morning and record it before I get started with the uh, rest of my day. So that is what I'm doing right now. Uh, my apologies um, for not getting it out sooner. I know that I uh, always say to subscribe and rate review because I get these things out at five in the morning and. The only way to get it that early is to subscribe because I'm not up posting the episodes on social media that early in the morning. But uh, usually that's still the case. But <laughs> missed the uh, I don't know missed the target a few times. Uh, you know since these playoffs got going. But I think you know once the uh, now that I, now that I've locked in on the problem. Now that I've uh, realized that you know there's just a, a trend going on here. Maybe I could squeeze some time out uh, and get these episodes done a little bit earlier in the day, you know, record at seven o'clock or something like that instead of trying to do it at uh, 11 or midnight. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, wish me luck. On today's show, we're going to talk running backs, a lot of running backs, current and former and future Michigan State running backs. I don't know why my voice just shifted to this sound. <laughs> it was like totally normal. And then uh, it uh, did this like raspy little thing. Hold on, I'm going to take a drink. All right, we will see if uh, that helps loosen things up down the road. But yeah, we're talking running backs. Um, LJ Scott finally signs with an NFL team after uh, the misreporting around his situation in Baltimore and him not being signed by the Ravens. So I want to... Talk about that a little bit. Uh, I think that's a huge development in the positive for LJ Scott's uh, NFL potential, not just actually signing with a team, but the uh, circumstances. So we'll talk about that. And then segments two and three will be spent breaking down the running back depth chart on Michigan State's team right now. Um, you know, we'll talk about the guys returning from last year, some new guys that could make an impact and sort of how uh, I see things maybe shaking out in that competition. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing 
like I said earlier, it's the easiest way to get these shows every single day. We're available, <clears throat> excuse me, we're available on all podcast platforms. So just search Lockdown Spartans and you will find it. All right, let's talk about LJ Scott. Okay, so, uh, you know, it was a weird saga of LJ Scott immediately post-draft. Uh, it was reported by every single outlet that does this type of work that LJ Scott had signed as an undrafted free agent with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, I guess the, what happened there is LJ Scott announced he was with going to be with the Ravens. Um, I think his friend or cousin or someone on Instagram said a picture, like posted a picture of LJ and said, looks like I'm a Ravens fan now, whatever. And like things like that, like it wasn't actually like specific sources or things like that it was just sort of contextual clues and of course uh with lj scott's pedigree going into the draft where he was ranked and things like that there wasn't a single person myself included who thought he would be anything uh even close to just a rookie minicamp tryout so you know you see everyone sees he's joining the ravens everyone assumes he's an undrafted free agent and everyone writes the same article about how lj scott is signed with the baltimore ravens as an undrafted free agent Uh, And we come to find out a few days later that he did not sign uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. He was merely uh, accepting an invitation to try out with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, And it was weird because it was a story that I think a lot of people were embarrassed about. Uh, I think LJ Scott was probably embarrassed about and didn't want to rush to correct it. Uh, I think, you know, his camp was probably embarrassed a little bit. Um, I don't know if they thought they were getting a deal with Baltimore uh, and ended up not getting a deal. If LJ really wanted to play in Baltimore and was willing to go try out there uh, without a deal, or was, you know what the scenario was there that resulted in him being a tryout player. But LJ Scott, after the draft, was clearly uh, an undrafted free agent candidate. Should have been one of the priority guys. Was a top three or four running back that didn't get drafted. Um, so just really weird for him to end up trying out with the Ravens before signing with a, an actual team. Um, yeah, and so it was a weird scenario, and I think it was it was obviously misreported by every single uh, outlet out there, understandably, and then um, <laughs> like no one corrected it or anything like that uh, because once the word was out there that maybe he wasn't signing, it was just such like a weird, unbelievable scenario that no one knew what to do with it. Um, but you know, we talked about it last week on this show that it was weird and it looked like he wasn't on the team and it was almost hard to believe it. I, when I published that podcast, I was like, man, I don't feel comfortable publishing this despite the fact that I had checked every legitimate resource, the Ravens, uh, the team website, the reporters with the Ravens, the transaction logs for the actual NFL (laughs) Like legit, like I went through that and I didn't, you know, I did some actual reporting on that and it was just such an odd scenario that I didn't feel comfortable reporting it because it was so weird. Um, but now it's all over because LJ is signed with the Cleveland Browns. Everyone is on their merry way saying, whoops, we, uh, uh, whoops on the, uh, the reporting, but LJ Scott's got a team now. Um, so here's kind of the, the details on that. Um, I think Cleveland is, you know, I think Cleveland, there's a good chance. I I do think Baltimore will be good next year, but I think there's a pretty good chance that Cleveland's the best team in that division. Um, And things seem to be heading in the proper direction there. So that's certainly a positive. 
uh, you know, you'd rather him end up, and it's weird to say this, but like, uh, rather him end up in a place like Cleveland that seems to be on the ascent. Sure, there are things unproven. Um, and he also is a Youngstown native, so that's his squad there, so that's cool. You'd rather him end up on a team that's on the ascent than, like, I don't know, the Jags, who took a huge step back, although they might be better, or Oakland, who just kind of seems to be in a bit of a, a weird situation right now, the Bills, who kind of are stuck in a weird, not great limbo, things like that. So it's a pretty good situation for him to land in, and then the depth chart just plays out so much better for LJ Scott. Um you know, Duke Johnson has requested a trade. Yeah, he's a third down guy, doesn't get too many carries, uh, is, a, is primarily a pass catcher, does take some uh, touches there out of the backfield. So we'll see how that sort of plays out. As of right now, he's still there. Um, but you've got him requesting to be traded. Nick Chubb is obviously the, the number one guy going into the season, is the top running back. Then you have Kareem Hunt there, who is suspended. Uh, by the NFL for eight games for that. If you remember at the end of last season, a video came out uh, where he sort of like pushed and then kicked uh, a woman in a, I think it was a hotel in Cleveland, or, or if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but he, you know, got in trouble for that, was released by the Chiefs um, and then signed by the Browns and suspended for eight games. So there's certainly room uh, in this backfield for LJ Scott to uh, make the team and not just make the team, but have an ability to, uh, you know, actually get some touches should things go well, uh, you know, in the preseason because, you know, he's not going to do a ton. He could catch it a little bit, right? And he can do some of that third down type stuff. He really improved in that area. He's not the Duke Johnson type because, like, Duke Johnson will actually, like, line up in the slot for Cleveland and run, you know, legitimate wide receiver routes. Um, so he's not going to really do that sort of thing. Um, but beyond Nick Chubb, uh, with Hunt suspended, especially in the first eight weeks of the season, you know, it's Dontrell Hilliard, uh, and that's it. And then it's LJ Scott. Like, LJ Scott signs there right now as probably the number four, but very easily could become the number three. Uh, on what could be one of the most exciting offenses in the NFL next season uh, before, you know, and he's an undrafted free agent, hasn't done a single thing yet. And I think it's a nice combination. Nick Chubb uh, is kind of an all-around runner, but definitely has a speed element to his game. You know, he's broke a couple huge runs last year. Duke Johnson is a speed guy too. Uh, you know, LJ Scott between the tackles, power and things like that, and, and can catch the ball certainly. Uh, it could contribute there. And, you know, we've talked about this with LJ Scott not being a guy who plays special teams. He was going to have to find a spot that basically had this, that had a limited uh, amount of running back depth or just low quality at the back end of the running back depth chart, which Cleveland kind of has both. Cleveland has Nick Chubb, who's good, Duke Johnson, who's solid but wants out uh, and plays a different role than LJ Scott. And then the, the quality drops way off there because of Kareem Hunt's suspension. So LJ Scott really finds himself in a, a far more preferable situation than Baltimore where he had five running backs ahead of him. Uh, and LJ Scott doesn't play special teams, hasn't ever played special teams, maybe in high school, but didn't in college. And so he's not going to make the back end of a roster uh, unless he is actually going to physically be active on game day and carrying the football. And it looks like he's got a real chance to do that at Cleveland and it happens to be his hometown team. Uh, so that you know, kind of works out for him after the weird saga, the weird, um, you know, is he on the Ravens? Is he not on the Ravens? 
turns out he's not on the Ravens. Uh, he ends up in, I think, a better spot on potentially a better team uh, and definitely just a, a place where he has way more of an opportunity to actually make the team and get carries and play in the NFL this regular season. So ultimately, it works out for him. All right, we are going to talk about the running back still at Michigan State when we get back from this quick commercial break. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right. Welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, interesting running back situation at Michigan State. So, uh, as we just talked about, LJ Scott is now in the NFL, and that leaves you know a departure of I would say the most talented all around running back that was left in that backfield. Uh, although he played through or. You know, didn't really play through injuries, but dealt with injuries last year. Played a limited amount of games, only played uh, in five games. And, you know, instead of saving a year of eligibility and coming back to Michigan State, played in the Red Box Bowl uh, and went on to the NFL. But that's sort of, uh, now that he's gone, that means that the guys behind him, you know, the, the silver lining, I guess, of LJ's injury last year now is that the guys behind him got more reps than they initially would have. Uh, and while that may have been a downside last year, uh, I think it's going to help out this year uh, just because Connor Hayward, the Darius Jefferson, got way more experience uh, than they would have otherwise. And I think those are two guys that have physical traits that you like but need experience. Uh, you know, Jefferson is a sophomore. He was a true freshman who switched from an option quarterback to a running back. And, you know, Connor Hayward's been all over the place at Michigan State. Uh, but. It was his first season uh, at running back. He transitioned to running back, I, I believe it was in the spring, and we saw him in the spring game a little bit. And then, <laughs> you know, fall season rolls around, LJ Scott gets hurt, and Connor Hayward's your starting running back. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that sort of run that they got last year that was more than they were expecting, I think, could definitely pay dividends next year. So let's talk about some production. It wasn't great uh, by any stretch. Connor Hayward led the team in rushing with 529 yards on 118 carries, good for four and a half yards per carry, five touchdowns. Also, and this is uh, going to be something we'll talk about uh, a bunch uh, in this couple of segments here. Uh, Hayward, 32 catches for 249 yards, 7.8 a catch. Uh, didn't score a touchdown, but that just seems like a little bit of bad luck there with 32 catches. Um, yeah, that is a very impactful uh, thing that Hayward does and something that is going to be huge for Michigan State. And Ladarius Jefferson can catch it too. Uh, between the three running backs that primarily played for Michigan State uh, last year, uh, they had almost 50 receptions. And, you know, Hayward having like 32 receptions would be a solid number for an NFL guy. <laughs> like that's two a game. Uh, if you're not a big pass-catching NFL running back, you know, like 30, 40, 50 uh, catches in there is, you know, it's just like, that's a good solid number. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe it was a solid number in the NFL like nine years ago. We'll say it that way. Um, but to catch 32 balls out of the backfield in a college season, uh, I think is really impressive. And Connor is a really good receiver, made some incredible one-handed grabs. Um, so that's certainly something that uh, we need to, you know, talk about a lot more than we have. Uh, he's very skilled at that, 
and when you have a guy who is that skilled in the passing game, it allows you to use him in different looks, just like I was talking about in the first segment with uh, how occasionally uh, the Cleveland Browns will put Duke Johnson in the slot because he's you know a skilled route runner and has great hands. You know, there, I you can do that with Connor Hayward. Um, he's done some tight end things, and I would expect that to uh, happen even more this season as you try to kind of hunt mismatches and things like that. Uh, behind him, Ladarius Jefferson had 78 carries for 255 yards, a measly 3.3 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. Seven catches for 29 yards, only 4.1 there. Um, but that is, you know, again, he's shown the ability to do that. And LJ Scott, obviously, is now gone, had 79 carries for 264 yards, 3.3 per carry, 10 catches, 95 yards, 9.5 uh, a catch there. But yeah, just not great <laughs> in the rushing category. Um, and it's tough because. Quarterback runs the college stats, unfortunately, take sacks into consideration. Um, so, like, the quarterback, yeah, like Brian Lewerke, 2 yards per carry, Rocky Lombardi, 3.4 yards per carry. We don't know <laughs> how much they actually had per carry rate off the top here. I could figure it out. Uh, over time, it would take a minute, um, and I will eventually do that at some point. Um, but just overall, and you don't need me to tell you this, the running game was, was really terrible last year uh, f- outside of a couple games, a couple moments. Um, it just wasn't something Michigan State could rely upon consistently at all. And again, I think it's really tough unless you're Alabama, and even Alabama's gone away from this some. It is really tough to just line up against teams and say, we're going to punch you in the mouth every single play we're just coming at you. You know we're coming at you, but you're not going to be able to stop us. It's really hard to be that good uh, with that sort of scheme, with that sort of offense. It's really hard to be consistently explosive doing that. You can have an offense that plods along and, and gets points and things like that. And it's, it's happened at Michigan State, certainly. Um, but it's really hard to be an explosive offense doing that. Uh, you know, Alabama can average six yards a carry doing that. That doesn't happen at Michigan State. Um, so we'll see how the scheme changes and things like that impact the rushing game. But I think another year of experience with these backs and uh, some guys coming in is, you know, will both help things. Uh, and I would expect the offensive line to be better next season just from a health standpoint. <laughs> like they can't get much more banged up. And I know Michigan State has had the worst luck with offensive linemen uh, health. But, uh, you know, th- that stuff, it's got to be better than last year. And, and really the running backs got banged up at times too. And I think the group that Michigan State's going to have here in the, in the backfield uh, is really going to uh, sort of complement each other a little bit better uh than the the group did last year uh and we'll talk about that uh as well and you know there's there's guys we're not going to talk about here let's see my time um in this next segment like true freshmen um that we're not going to talk about and it seems like it's an interesting group of running backs there um as well so it's just that's another thing to keep in mind this running back preview will probably be a little bit different right as we get going into the season um because maybe one of those true freshmen sort of established themselves as that bell cow uh, back. You know, it's happened before running backs a position in college where you can make that immediate impact. Um, and, you know, LJ Scott did it uh, just a, a handful of years ago. So it's not the craziest thing ever. 
for a true freshman to come in and, and be the guy. You know, if you remember, Mark D'Antonio has said this running back competition, we are looking for the person who can give us 200 carries. Who are we going to hand the ball off to 200 times in a season? And, you know, Connor Hayward had 118 last year and Jefferson had 78 between them. Uh, and LJ Scott at 79 there. You know, we, we've talked about this before. The Michigan State's primary ball carrier gets like a 60% share of the running back touches generally uh, year over year. Sometimes it's more when it's just like Le'Veon Bell was the only option his last season. Um, but I think Michigan State's going to have a much more balanced attack this year. Maybe someone gets 200 carries. You know, maybe Connor Hayward ends up being that guy. Um, but I would think it would be similar to how it was last year, hopefully with just more production. Because, uh, like I said, there's some versatility in the group. Uh, and, you know, we don't even know what we're going to get, what they're going to get from the true freshman right now outside of, you know, Anthony Williams Jr. Now we have kind of an idea what we're going to, you know, get from him. So uh, let's actually take a quick break here. When we get back, we'll just continue on uh, with this running back talk. We'll talk about some specifics and things like that. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans, the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's keep going with this running back group preview. So right now, as like sort of it stands, I guess I should have done this to start, but uh, we know Connor Hayward, Ladarius Jefferson, and then there's Anthony Williams Jr. Those are the three guys right now that are on the depth chart that are the most likely uh, to see consistent playing time now that uh, Weston Bridges has moved uh, to receiver. He, he was part of the position change thing that happens a lot in the spring. Post-spring, he moved to wide receiver. So Weston Bridges is no longer back there. Uh, then you've got and, uh, Eli Collins. Uh, I guess would be the guy that I would consider sort of fourth on the depth chart there next up. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman um, and only played, you know, a handful of snaps last season. Uh, was a, a pretty highly rec- uh, regarded recruit. Um, top 25 running back uh, in the nation, according to 24-7, coming out. Had all the whatever uh, honor you want coming out of uh, U of D Jesuit. Right, that's where yeah, U of D Jesuit, like all state dream team, all that stuff. Had all those honors, but only played in a few games last year as a true freshman. Is going to you know retain that red shirt, uh, and had one care or played in one game that he got actual carries and had two carries for eight yards. Um, so he is completely uh, raw. We have no idea what we're get get from him. A complete mystery at this point. But just like the other, I would I would really almost lump him in with the true freshman uh, at this point. Just sort of, you don't know what you're going to get, so there's not a ton to really talk about there. Uh, you can talk about recruiting rankings and things like that, and Michigan State has some guys that seem like decent recruits coming in this season, uh, and there will be, you know, odds are a good player will emerge from the, the guys they brought in, but it's just tough to really talk uh, about them because you don't know what you're going to get. So... And then there's Alante Thomas as well, uh, would be probably, you know, behind the the three guys we talked about. He, uh, a couple years ago, transferred to Michigan State from uh, Sag, uh, Saginaw Valley. Um, and then, you know, it's just been sort of a depth guy. Had got, uh, let's see, yeah, one carry last year, one reception last year. So 
I wouldn't expect him to make much of an impact, but again, you just kind of don't know at this point. But he is, I would say, down the depth chart, and then once uh, you know the true freshmen get in, they're going to have many opportunities to advance up the depth chart uh, before him. So right now, as it stands, I think it's pretty safe to say Hayward is the one, the Darius Jefferson's the two, uh, and then Anthony Williams Jr. is the sort of change of pace third down guy. I don't foresee at least this first season, Anthony Williams Jr. being someone who gets 100, 150 carries. Maybe he does. You know, maybe he, you know, bulks up a little bit uh, and, and proves that he has some durability and, and is, a, a, you know, a capable inside runner and things like that. We'll see how things sort of shake out. Again, he's only been with the program for a short while, so the spring game can be a tough measuring stick uh, for a guy like that, especially when he's going up against guys who were the primary runners last year. Uh, But there's absolutely a role for Anthony Williams Jr. on this offense. If you didn't watch the spring game, uh, he is an elusive running back, has very quick, uh, very good lateral quickness, uh, has a nice spin move, is a guy who can juke, can cut, uh, can make people miss in open space, catch the ball, you know, on a little dump off swing pass, make the linebacker out in the flat, miss him completely and get you seven, eight yards on a play that maybe only gets one or two with a more plotting running back. So he's certainly an interesting prospect. Uh, I think has a role immediately on this team as a sort of third down pass catcher. Uh, will have to prove he can, he can pass block a little bit. Um, you know, that's that's a must for this type of offense, and generally a Michigan State running back has to be able to pass protect. Um, if he can't, you know, maybe he ends up playing out of the slot at times and different things like that. Uh, I'm sure they'll find ways to get him on the field uh, and get the ball in his hands because he's a shifty guy. He seems like he's got some decent speed, uh, but certainly is elusive and can make people miss and make big plays, and Michigan State was really lacking that. Last year, uh, with Legereus Jefferson, I'm interested to see his development because I think there's an all-around skill set there. Uh, he spent a lot of time in high school carrying the football and racking up huge yardage. So there's got to be, and you could sort of see it, there's uh, a little bit of like a natural ability to sort of run the football, but it's a different position. He's used to making reads and decisions like it was an option quarterback and things like that. So it's just different being a college running back than a high school option quarterback, and that takes time. But you can sort of tell there's uh, some good natural like instincts and things like that uh, with him. Can also catch the ball. That's the the nice thing. Every running back in this group can catch the ball. Uh, so that's another element that he brings to it. Maybe doesn't have the power uh, that Connor Hayward has, the the size, the bulk. Uh, but I think we'd probably consider him a little bit of a better athlete. Uh, and with another year of seasoning, like that's this the big thing with him. Everyone's kind of indications are that he just needs to actually learn how to play running back because he's always been a quarterback and you know taking a handoff and being comfortable taking a handoff while finding the hole that you're going to run through and identifying the threats to that place and how you're going to outmaneuver them there's just a process to that uh, and he's got the athleticism to do that uh, he's got like I said good hands he's got good feet I think he can make guys miss and run with a little bit of power too just like a good all-around skill set for running back he's just got to sort of get used to that sort of thing and I think he's still going to get 80 to 100 carries 
uh, this season, and I think he'll be much more efficient with them, and I think he'll look more comfortable, and we'll be able to see that improvement. But uh, if I had to bet right now, I would say Connor Hayward's going to win the job uh, out of fall camp. Uh, you know, maybe a true freshman comes in and it's just a surprise and you're like, okay, this is the best guy. He's sorry, everyone. He's going to take all the reps. Um, but I would say Hayward's the favorite right now. And I think that's fine. Uh, he's got a, an interesting skill set uh, and we'll see, you know, how they use him. I think we could see him line up in the slot and things like that. They'll find different ways to get him the ball, but he's a powerful runner with I mean, the speed's not great, uh, but he has shown the ability to break 80-yard runs, uh, which you you don't expect from a guy like him, uh, at least in, in his stature and, and how he looks. But uh, there's a little bit of explosiveness there, but I think he, just like Jefferson, was learning a new position, uh, playing it at this super high level for the first time. There's some challenges to that, uh, and Hayward had the most success last year. I think he'll be even better this year. Uh, and is, you know, a powerful guy, uh, can break tackles and just with more seasoning, like I said, with Jefferson is going to get even better. So I would think he would lead the team in carries next year, but I don't think it's going to be a bell cow situation where he's getting 250 to 300 carries or something crazy like that. Jefferson's getting 50 and then nobody else is getting any carries. I would think it's going to be more of, you know, say Michigan State runs the ball 400 times. Next year, Connor Hayward gets 200. Ladarius Jefferson gets 100. Anthony Williams gets 40. And then the other 60 are sort of spread out between three or three guys or something like that. Maybe like not quite those numbers, but something along those lines where, you know, Hayward gets 50% of the touches, the Jefferson, the Darius Jefferson gets 30, Anthony Williams Jr. gets a solid amount, and then the rest are scattered amongst everyone else. Maybe that's the, the easier way to say it. Um, but that would be my bet right now. And I'm, you know, sort of, I'm okay with that. I would like uh, another freshman to come in like Anthony Williams Jr. has and show that they are kind of an impact player and force their way onto the field. I think that would be good for the overall production from that position. Um, but like I said, it's an interesting group that has skill sets that complement each other. You know, Anthony Williams Jr. as a quick, elusive guy who could catch the ball. Connor Hayward as the big, rumbling guy who runs through tackles, runs up the middle, but can also catch the ball. Uh, Ladarius Jefferson, a you know, more balanced in-between type player with some power, with some elusiveness and things like that, but again, can also catch the ball. Uh, I think it's a it's a solid group, and maybe the ceiling's not quite as high as some other groups. Uh, you know, you don't have the five star, highly regarded guys. You know, super talents that are going to end up being your Leonard Fournette's, your Zeke Elliotts, uh, things like that at the next level. Uh, but I think it's a it's a group with a really high floor, uh, and just should be really solid next year, especially with. Like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, increased health for that position group, increased health for the offensive line, uh, and a scheme that maybe does make things a little bit more easy on the rushing attack as a whole. All right, that is going to be it for today's episode of Lockdown Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Follow the show on Twitter at On Spartans. Uh, you can find us on Facebook too, Locked On Spartans. Uh, just search it there. If you want to email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. That's how you would go about doing that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Spartans. Uh, until then, go green.